Once in a while, an event takes place that shocks a community into action. This is what happened in Jellicoe, a small community in Campbell County in East Tennessee. Jellicoe's situation was serious. But this is the happy story of how this town has met and is solving its major community problems. right you're listening live epiphany sports show season two episode four as always it's me your co-host lpc here at jessica plaza angelico tennessee you want to know what's on the show today well here you go it's mlb wildcard update it's college football review and preview even though the slate for this upcoming weekend questionable at best NFL all the way back, starting last week, week one. We'll take a look at all the scores and updates from around the NFL. And then we'll take a look at also a questionable slate, to say the least. And I mean, finally, finally, the team of destiny will be announced. And a little upcoming giveaway on the horizon once again from ESS oh yeah all coming at you live it's like I've been telling y'all we're going to keep up with the MLB wildcard update as as best as we can Uh, you know between the three of us of me Dome and Drew I mean none of us are really the world's biggest baseball fans obviously but uh, it's definitely starting to heat up and be interesting. And then, you know, postseason baseball is infinitely better to watch and just pay attention to than regular season. Uh, I feel like everybody feels like that. But postseason baseball, good time of the year. It's big update for a team that I have to have some interest in just because of a small ticket I put in months ago. The uh, Texas Rangers are going to be going the rest of the way, most likely, without Max Scherzer. He is definitely done for the regular season. They think he's unlikely to return for the postseason if they're to qualify in advance, however far. Uh, Pretty bad shoulder strain is what they're saying. So whenever you trade for a a veteran ace at the trade deadline, thinking he's going to be the guy to help you get over the edge, and then he's... Not ready for the postseason. That's never, never ideal. But we'll start with the American League. Uh, these records and stats were f- from yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, so do not judge me too hard if by the time you hear this and listen to this, it's been completely different. But as of Wednesday, yesterday, starting the American League, the four seed, 90 and 57 on the year, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Their upcoming schedule, they have a four-game road series at Baltimore. Sheesh. And then a uh, three-home stretch against the Angels. Rays, I mean, they have like a a nine-game lead for the four seed, so they're probably locked 
into that four seed. Uh, the four game road series at Baltimore, though the uh, the Orioles right now, man, I'm telling you, they're they're fun to watch, and they got something going on up there. The five seed, I just mentioned them, the Texas Rangers. Uh, as of yesterday, they were only half a game up from the six seed, uh, which is the last seed in the American League. They got the Guardians, and then they have a home series against the Red Sox. So, I mean, if you take care of business with Cleveland and you split or win the series against the Red Sox at home, you're feeling a lot better about your chances to at least make the postseason if you're the Rangers. And then we got a tie, a two-way tie for the sixth seed as of yesterday. The Seattle Mariners have absolutely crawled from the depths of hell and have stormed back to an 80 and 65 record on the year. They have a three game homestand against the Dodgers this coming week. Whew. Tough. But then they got the Oakland A's in Oakland for three uh, later in the week. You got to win all three of those if you're, uh, you know, being serious about trying to make the postseason. And then this is, I don't know why. I think. I think it's just because they're the Canadian team. I don't know, but i i don't I don't know why. But I can't stand the Toronto Blue Jays. But they're also currently tied or were yesterday for the sixth seed in the American League Wild Card at eighty and sixty five. Uh, same exact record as the Mariners. They got the Red Sox and Yankees both on deck. So a little bit tougher matchup for them. Uh, the outside looking in for the American League is both Boston and New York Yankees. Uh, they were both about seven and a half games behind. So the chances that we see either one of them in the postseason this year, not that great. Moving on, National League. Number four seed, Philadelphia Phillies, sitting at a 79-66 and 66 record on the year. They got a three-and-a-half game lead uh, from the sixth seed and a two-game lead above the Cubs, who are in the five seed, but we'll talk about them in just a second. The Phillies got St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves on deck. So, obviously, you feel pretty good about your chances against the Cardinals this year. And then the Braves, good luck to you. Godspeed. So, maybe uh, by the time that we come back next week and have another look at the MLB, you know, maybe the Phillies have sunk a little bit. Maybe there's a a little bit more, a little bit more uh, variety in the in the seating here for the National League. And like I said, the Cubbies, Chicago Cubbies, sitting in the five seed, seventy eight and sixty nine on the year. They got a big three game road trip to Arizona, and then a three game homestand against the Pirates. Tough break uh, for the Cubs earlier this week. They placed their closer, uh, Alzale, on 15-day IR. So he'll be back uh, for the postseason, obviously. But, you know, right down the home stretch when you're, you know, you're at least trying to clinch a playoff spot for sure, you definitely want your closer. And he's been awesome uh, this year for the Cubs too. So that that's a, that's a tough break. But three-game road trip at Arizona. Keep your eyes on it between the Cubs and the D-backs, that's going to be a barn burner. And then the Cubs just need to take care of business against the Pirates uh, like they they normally do. And then the the team of destiny for the Epiphany boys to start the baseball season was, one of them at least, was the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
battle against the Cubbies. And then you got a two-game Giants series and then the Yankees later in the week. So uh, some mini-series going on after the Cubs series for the D-backs. But the Giants obviously are fighting for their playoff spot right behind the the D-backs. So that's going to be a good one to watch. And then, I mean, the Yankees are still going to be the Yankees. So it's not like they're going to just roll over for you. National League outside looking in. San Francisco and the Cincinnati Reds were both one game back, and then the Miami Marlins were at a game and a half behind the six-seed D-backs. So the National League, uh, definitely a lot a lot more competitive for teams that are – there's multiple teams fighting for the four, five, six spot in the National League. Uh, really, in the American League, you really only need to worry about the Mariners and the Blue Jays on who's going to be that final. Well, and the Rangers too, but there's only three of them. I mean, the the outside looking in for the national, the American League, sorry, is Boston and and New York Yankees, who are eight games back. I mean, I know there's still plenty of games left to play, but uh, the National League is definitely where the where the razor thin numbers are going to start coming in at towards the end of the year. So be a pen, uh, you know, attentive to that. And that is the baseball little preview update for y'all that are interested in that. All I got to say is go Cubs, go. As our dear friend, Billy May said, but wait, there's more. That's right. Me and Logan, as always, we try to get together and do at least a couple giveaways for college, NFL, just whatever we can do uh, to give back to the people that listen religiously every week. And even the people that don't. I mean, the guy that won the uh, the tournament challenge got the money. We have no clue who that, that dude even is, so... We're going to do another giveaway next week. Tennessee and UTSA, as everybody knows, we are big fans of the Meeps. We like the Meeps. And obviously, I love Tennessee. I have season tickets. So me and Logan will be traveling to that game. We're going to do a little giveaway. But we need the fans' help of what we are going to give away. Do you want cash? Do you want a jersey? Do you want a hat? What do you want from us? We're here for you. So we're going to throw a little poll up on Twitter, and you guys just let us know. You can even comment on this podcast through the Spotify app if you would like to do so. DM us. Do whatever you would like to do. Text us. Most of you guys have our numbers. Whatever you guys think is a good idea for the winner, me and Logan will put our two pea brains together into one medium-sized brain, and we will come up with what we're going to do out of the ideas that you guys have. So um, we're going to do something for the game, like I said. And once we do, we will – well, once we decide what we're going to do, we will throw it out on next week's podcast, and we will probably do it before – we'll probably do something on socials before then. So whatever you guys think is a good idea for the winnings and even uh, what you should do if you want to do correct score or whatever – uh, whatever's the funnest for you guys, you let us know. Reply to the tweet that obviously this podcast is attached to. Comment on the comment section on Facebook. You can comment on the Spotify app 
or you can DM us, text us, any other way to contact us. You let us know what you want us to do, and we will do it. That's a promise. We don't break promises here at Epiphany Sports Show. I promise. Week two, college football has came and went. And it started off pretty hot. By pretty hot, I mean it rained all day. It pissed board. You said, yeah, you said that it was going to, for some reason, the weather app that I looked at said it wasn't going to rain in the Notre Dame game. Wrong. Worst case scenario, really. It ended up working out. Notre Dame, obviously, was uh, the first key cog to the to the machine that was Logan Cross' Saturday of betting. Yeah. Notre Dame, 45, North Carolina State. 24. It uh, the game was a little bit closer than the score says. I mean, Notre Dame scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, which is literally the difference in that game. So, uh, Notre Dame controlled the game on the ground, rushing for 170 yards compared to North Carolina State's 84. The difference in the game we talked about it was Notre Dame finally figured out what to do against the blitz. If you could pick it up for half a second, somebody was open every time. As uh, obviously, Sam Hartman had a day 15 of 24, 286, four touchdowns. As always, no interceptions. Estimate 14 carries, 134 yards. If you're a math magician like me, you can just look at the ESPN app and it tells you that's a 9.6 yards per carry. Two touchdowns. He came out. Blazing after that rain delay for a 80-yard tutty. Yep. Uh, overall, you know, very, very good performance once again. I feel like um, it's like you said, it was a little choppy at first, just because they were stacking the box and blitzing every single play, and uh, you know, it took us like a full four quarter, like a you know, the first full quarter to get it going, but. Anytime that Sam Hartman had any sort of pocket around them or they got him on a play action rollout or anything like that, you know, he he picked them apart. Uh, and given North Carolina State, probably going to be like a mediocre ACC school this year. But regardless, I mean, it's still impressive to go on the road and cover and win. And it's just like I said, I mean, Hartman's looked surgical so far with Notre Dame. It's the same thing uh, in this performance. And then you touched on Audric Estime. You definitely set the tone. When you go in the locker room and sit for two-plus hours and you come out first play and run for 80 yards and a touchdown, I mean, you talk about momentum swing. That's going to do it to you uh, for sure. Another crazy stat is I was talking about this earlier today. It's just it's funny that some there's some people out there that hate Notre Dame with passion, right? Keyword some. Quote unquote. But you know, the big sticker is is that we don't play in a conference. We're just an independent school. We don't play anybody, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you watched the game, and I'm sure some other people did. If you listen to that broadcast, the stats they were saying as we were blowing NC State out. Talking about Notre Dame playing the ACC, pretty ridiculous. Because the people that I was talking about earlier, 
hate Notre Dame, you should be lucky that they're not in the ACC because then you'd have to hear about them and deal with them being in the mix for college football playoff every single year. And I say that because Notre Dame has won 29 straight games against an ACC opponent, haven't lost to an ACC opponent in the regular season since 2017. Uh, I was a freshman in college. Hmm. Not only that, but they're 32-1 and one in their last 33 against the ACC. So, I mean, you given how people have felt about Clemson in the past years, I mean, Clemson's very lucky that we don't have to play in the ACC either. So, I mean, I just think that's a, a kind of funny, funny spot to be in for Notre Dame since you, I mean, pretty much have proven that you, like if you were in the ACC, you would dominate it. Yeah, you'd be so, winning every time. Yeah. So it's just, that's just funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, you got this week coming up for the Irish, Central Michigan. But then, uh, I mean, you, you're setting yourself up for a big-time battle with Ohio State, you know, in two weeks. So they, they definitely got all the, all the momentum I feel like you need to play in a game of that caliber yeah. right now. So Yeah. Well, I hit on it at the beginning. So that was the first key cog in the, the machine that was your betting Saturday. What about the second? The second one of the big noon kickoff parlay. Mm-hmm. Colorado at home against Nebraska. Did you know that Colorado's head coach wears sunglasses and a hat when he talks to adults? Because <laughs> that's a big deal, apparently. Yeah, apparently. It's a big deal. Colorado dominated the game. It was never really in question. They won 36-14. to 14. Um, Nebraska turned it over a bajillion times. Four, three fumbles, one interception. Pretty sure they were all by Sims. If not, most of them were. Um, Colorado, 450 total yards. 396 of that through the air. Shadur Sanders. Dude has been booning. 31-42, to 393, two touchdowns. They didn't really run the ball because they didn't have to. And he made Zay- it look easy, too. Yeah. Like, it, it didn't really get going for, like, the first couple drives, I feel like. But then you kind of looked and you're like, he, has over, he already has over 100 yards, like, mm-hmm. in the start of the second quarter. Yeah. So, it's just funny that, you know, it felt like for half the game, essentially, they really couldn't get much going offensively, and they still ended up cruising, and he put up almost 400. So, I mean, it's just yeah. they're on a different level right now. Yeah, Nebraska is not going to be able to do anything until they get another quarterback. Terrible. Yeah, we said it. There's no way they don't have another one on the roster. I mean, at this point, you're doing yourself an injustice by keeping that dude in the game. I mean, we talked about it last week, too. Is uh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's just like we're saying. It's just Nebraska. But, I mean, we did say last week that Colorado, we needed to give them one more week to figure out, you know, if they're going to be legit or not. And they they have definitely passed the eyeball test so yep. far, uh, especially playing in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they got a chance. They got a chance to do some big things this year for sure. It's just we'll see when they play USC. So, like we said, Colorado put the ice on the cake for Logan with the big noon parlay. Utah mm-hmm. on the road at Baylor. That was a battle of who did not want to win the game the most. 
You talk about selling. It was – I couldn't turn it off. Oh, it was know? a 13 to 13 game, and I couldn't change it. It was awesome. Of yeah. how bad both teams were playing. Because obviously, uh, what's his name? The quarterback for Utah still out with the with the knee injury. So um, Utah threw the ball, I think. Cameron Rising is his name. Cameron Rising, yeah, sorry. Utah threw the ball a total of 26 times, 19 by Bryson Barnes. He completed six of those for 71 yards. Nate Johnson. Six or seven for eighty-two, um, but they were they were competing on who could who could lose the game. Baylor up thirteen to seven. Utah drives down the field. The quarterback runs it in, ties the game. It's thirteen to thirteen. Baylor's like, let's go down the field and try to win this thing. I think it gets to like third and ten. Quarterback gets schlobbered, throws it to a linebacker. I don't even think the dude knew they were playing football. He just didn't move. Threw it right to him. Utah obviously goes down and scores, wins the game. 20-13. to 13. Covers on the road at Baylor last second. For no reason. They, For no reason. They did not deserve that win. They did not deserve to win that game, to be honest. The Ole Miss two-lane game, it was going to be a great game. And then Pratt got rolled out. And if you don't have your top ten ranked quarterback in the nation – you're against gonna that. against the SEC school. You're gonna struggle. Uh, Tulane just couldn't move the ball like like they would have been able to if he played. I mean, they made they made it a game for like three quarters essentially, though. I mean, they were definitely giving Ole Miss plenty of trouble. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was gonna say. Ole Miss had 89 rushing yards, and Jenkins is one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. So, and they held Ole Miss to one of 13 on third down. They lost by seventeen. So you say you say you have Pratt. That's probably a completely different game. Ole Miss with the late cover, by the way. Offensively, Tulane is you know big splash play kind of yeah. kind of team, and they had one or two of those. But you know, with Pratt, like you're talking about, he probably makes it a lot more easier for you to have a couple more. And you know, who knows? That's it's maybe a one you know a one possession game at that point if they get a couple big more plays but it's like i said i mean they definitely fought and competed i mean it's tulane is like a legit non power 5 program for sure i mean yeah. there's a reason why they're ranked top yeah. 25 so uh with with pratt coming back not to be confused with coastal's quarterback uh he should you know they're going to be once again top 25 most of the year and should have a pretty Pretty good season, but Old Miss, I don't know. Old Miss is literally just gonna be all all offense all the time. Like yeah. I don't know. They just they're gonna be a a poser in the SEC, I think, probably. Speaking of the SEC, another SEC West team. Texas AM. Speaking traveled of posers, to, dude. Screw the S posers. They traveled to the palace that is the Miami Dolphins football field that oh, the, the University of Miami, yeah, the University of Miami plays at for whatever reason. That's a top twenty-five matchup, and there was seventy-five percent capacity at this game. Forty-eight thousand people. Miami wasn't ranked, were they? Uh, no, they weren't, but they are now. Sorry. Yeah, I think. I mean, they're getting votes. Obviously, Miami dominated this game. Four hundred and fifty total yards. Three hundred and seventy-four of that in the air. 
291 of those yards were after the catch. Yep, we uh, did the top 25 review last week, and I said Jimbo got to be stacking up some wins to make mm-hmm. it seem like he's got that program turned around, and this is exactly why I said that, because they still can't compete with, you know, like legit Power 5 pro. Like, they just can't compete. Yeah. Can't get the quarterback right. Like, they just, I don't know. It's a mess down there in College Station. They also have the second-highest-paid defensive coordinator ever in college football. Can't stop a nosebleed. Nope. So. 48-33 to Miami. They dominated in basically every facet of the game. Who did not dominate? Tennessee at home against Austin P. Squeeze out a 17-point victory. Um... Not impressive. No. I mean, really, it was almost a 10-point victory because Austin P should have scored at the end of that game. Tennessee really just kind of played not to lose. Joe Milton looked awful. Receivers looked awful. Running backs and defensive line and offensive line looked good again, dominant again. Secondary, I mean, whatever. I don't know. Just Probably one of, the, one of the most aggravating games I can remember watching as a Tennessee fan in a long time. There's an underlying factor here. Same thing with Kentucky. Quit scheduling in-state schools who do not care to come up there and try to beat you when you pay them millions of dollars. Yep. Because they will come out and try to knock out every single one of your players, and they're going to try to win like it's their Super Bowl every time. Austin P was headhunting early. Because they don't care. I mean, you're getting paid to go up there. It's the same thing with Eastern. I mean, you just let Parker McKinney go up there, District 2A legend go up there, paid to get loot. Like, you you know, you're getting paid to lose pretty much. But neither Kentucky or Tennessee this weekend, I mean, you, you, you're you both 2-0. So, I mean, you, you take that. And it's like I was saying earlier today with Kentucky – you know, some Kentucky teams, they probably they might have lost that game mm-hmm. to Eastern. So I mean, you can you can you can gripe all you want about Devin Leary and him not looking the greatest, but you have some other quarterbacks you've had in the past. I mean, Eastern has a very good chance of making that a legit oh, yeah. win. Oh yeah. So I mean neither one of those for the local teams. I mean, obviously Notre Dame carrying the boat this past weekend, but the the Kentucky and Tennessee game, I didn't watch a single minute of it, but you don't have to when you look at the box. When you see the, yeah. I mean, you just you just know that's not good. A 17-point win over Austin P and an 11-point win over Eastern Kentucky, both at home. So, I mean, and I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of talk, too, about Devin Leary, but he 24-38, 300 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day – that's not really like all his fault. I don't feel like I wouldn't. I don't know how much I'd put on it. I mean, you, you only get the Ray Davis twelve carries, fifty-two yards. Twelve carries. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're Kentucky, right? That's what I'm saying like, twelve carries. The, it's Eastern Kentucky. How many times did they throw the ball? Thirty-eight times. Jesus. I mean, dude, they they felt like they had to because they, well, at one point they were trailing. I know, but I mean, it's a seven-seven yeah. game at halftime. Yeah. So, I mean, if Kentucky doesn't come out and outscore them 14-3 in the third quarter, it's a dogfight all the way to the bitter end. Yeah, I mean, so so both teams. You're still 2-0. Oh, I mean, 
you can't feel that bad about it at the end of the day, but you're definitely having to take some looks inside and you're going to have to start figuring some stuff out before the SEC comes around. It's a good time to have it. If you're going to struggle, you'd rather struggle early against. Right. Against bad competition. One team that I did say would struggle, and I should have bet it, but I didn't. North Carolina at home against Appalachian State. I said this game will be close. I think the spread was 17 and a half. I said to keep an eye on that. I should have kept a bigger eye on that. North Carolina squeaks out a double, double overtime victory against App State, 40 to 34. Another game. Hey, going on the same trend. Quit scheduling the in-state school. Quit, state, quit scheduling App State. It's an in-state school. Like They point. don't care to come up there in North Carolina or play you at home and try to beat you. Like they just don't, They're going to play it like it's their Super Bowl. And last year, the game last year they had with North Carolina was one of the best college football games of the year. Mm-hmm. And App State's not even going to be – Probably as good this year, and they still had to go double OT to beat him. It's crazy. Um, this is what I was going to mention, though. Something that nobody's really talking about yet because they beat South Carolina. Drake May not looking great early. No. Drake May in this game, 21 to 30 for 208 yards. That's six yards of completion. Mm-hmm. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Against South Carolina, 24-32, but two touchdowns, two picks. He's only been sacked twice, so he's really not getting a ton of pressure on him. Is that on him, or is that on the playmakers around him? That's what I'm saying. That's what I was. That's what I was getting to. How bad are they missing? Josh Downs and Tez can't play. Yeah, like I mean, that's what I'm saying. They ran the ball. Their leading carrier had 26 carries for 234 yards and three touchdowns. Drake May 11 of 57 for one touchdown. They had they had 45 rushes for 319 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, a lot gets made of how bad this team's defense is, and I mean, rightfully so. They allowed you know 28 points through four quarters. They allowed 34. I mean, that's in two overtimes. Right. Still getting up 28 to App State. Yeah, I mean, App State, six yards of an attempt. and I mean, they did allow five yards on the ground per carry, but that's what I'm saying. Like, everybody's kind of looking at North Carolina's defense, not looking at Drake May, for one, because, I mean, probably coming into the season, looking at him as the number two quarterback in the country. I think uh, Mel Copper has him as the number two quarterback in the draft. Not look great. Not look great early. Missing uh, missing downs, missing Tez. I know he's not played with Tez before, but. Obviously, that's why they made a big deal about him not getting eligible. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm they thinking. Need, yeah. They needed him, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, the Battle of Iowa. Me and you both bet it. It was a snooze fest, like we both thought. 20 to 13 was the final Iowa covers the four point wasn't even as close as the twenty to thirteen. No, it felt like it was a forty two to fourteen route, honestly, the way Iowa looked in comparison to Iowa State. Uh it's like I said, you know, when we made the bets is I don't know if Iowa State has enough offense to do anything against anybody either. It's just a defensive matchup and Iowa and Iowa won. Ain't so. no ain't ain't too many teams gonna win a defensive matchup against Iowa. 
No, nor nor Iowa State for the most part. But you know those two offenses, terrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, never never want to watch any any part of their season moving forward. Um, I took the SMU at plus sixteen and a half. That was the beginning of my downfall. I started off a hot two and zero. I was feeling juicy, feeling good. Then Jacksonville State. Took them plus 13 and a half. They lose by 14 to Coastal Carolina. Tough beat there. 30 to 16. I was still feeling okay. SMU. Maybe a score gone me. 28 to 11. <laughs> okay. For some reason, they don't cover the 16 and a half. They lose by 17, if you can do math. Mm-hmm, to Oklahoma. That was my fate of the week. And then UTEP just said, dude, let's just stop playing football. And somehow they allow 31 second-half points to Northwestern. They have not scored that many points in the other six quarters they played combined. Yeah, North Northwestern obviously deserved to be hated on by me throughout the season, needing them to only win two games all year for the future. But, but UTEP, I mean, you've already talked about it. Get, get, them, out of, get them out of D1 football. They just – they're terrible. I'm tired of them. I'm, I'm sick of them being absolutely terrible and pathetic every single year. It's a mess. Get yep. El Paso some help or something. I don't know. This game was 7-7 seven to seven with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. What was the final? 38-7. to seven. <laughs> <laughs> Northwestern covered the spread by themselves. Covered the over-under by themselves. That one hurt. And then uh, – Kansas, this was the Friday game. They dominated Illinois. I mean, they are a different team. With Jaden Daniels? Jaden Daniels. I always want to say Jalen for some reason. Yeah, he's a difference maker, especially when you got to, when, you know, the choice is between him and old Mean Bean out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Daniels, he's a difference maker for Kansas. I don't know who Kansas's offense coordinator is. But that dude's going to get a big-time job at some point. You did have that, They started the game. I know you weren't watching. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what you were doing, but I was texting you during the game. They started the game out with Bean and Daniels in the backfield, quarterback and running back. The double quarterback and they formation. And they ran it a bunch, and they dominated with that formation. I mean, because both of them can run. Yeah. And both of them can throw it at least a little bit. And there's one game that we haven't got to yet. That was the biggest game of the week. We were both on the same side of the fence for this one. Texas, Alabama. Texas traveling to number number 11, Texas traveling to number three, Alabama. Texas dominates. Quinn Ewers looks like Joe Burrow-esque. Mostly because the Ohio State comparison is what I'm getting at there. I mean, methodical, whatever whatever good word you can think of for a quarterback. That was Quinn Ewers, 24-38, 349 yards against Alabama, and three touchdowns. No turnovers at Alabama. Keynote from last week. I'll repeat it one more time for the people who didn't hear. This is not the same Alabama team 
that we've seen with Nick Saban. They do not have the ceiling as other teams. Uh, what's the quarterback's name? Melrose. Milrow. Milrow. Super athletic, a freak athlete. Like you watch him run, he looks like a flash mm-hmm. out of the backfield. And honestly, he made some throws too. Like dropped that bomb in a bucket, dropped it in it. Oh, when he makes the throws that he can, you're like, holy! Sh- this is why this this is why that guy won the quarterback competition. And given you know how Alabama's won, you know historically the last decade or so with pretty much mediocre quarterback play, other than the Jalen Hurts year and Tua, I mean, that guy looks like a difference maker at some point. So I mean, I'm not. That's that was the big thing for me and you with not trusting Alabama is we just didn't know who they're going to play quarterback. But that kid definitely showed flashes. Now, do I think he's going to be? you know, efficient enough to be able to win the SEC or something like that? No, probably not. But he's a he's a freak athlete. But the problem with Alabama, I mean, they just don't look like they have that many top-tier, like, NFL draft prospects this year. Like, they kind of just lack the the pure raw talent that you – like, you know who's playing for them and you know who's there. So. That was the next point that I was going to make. Alabama has, we're not going to say zero playmakers, but they don't have the playmakers that they have had. Running back, meh. I mean, the receiver's a reject from Georgia who notoriously has not had any good wide receivers for the past, you know, three or four years. They had zero sacks. They have three all season. That's crazy for Alabama. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to be able to outcoach most teams. Saban's still that dude, obviously. But they don't have the dudes that they have had. They don't have the quarterback play. They don't have the defense. I mean, Texas was probably better position-wise in basically every positional category. Just on That's just on paper. That's not even saying like how they played. I'm just talking on paper before coming into the game. They were better or as good as Alabama at every single position group. Yeah, and you you talked about the saving factor. I mean, you've talked about Steve Sarkeesian every sort of way for, for years at this point now. And everybody felt like at some point everybody had to feel like that this dude could legit, you know, be a top-tier coach at a top-tier program. You know, that's the whole reason why he went to Alabama and kind of had like his little rehab session or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But as long as that dude could stay out of his own way, you know, because he's a boozer pretty much or at least was, was. like he could just stay out of his own way. Like he could be a a good head coach at a good program. And he put it all on display that game. I mean, that was that was the Sarkeesian game because he he just looked and they they just played like they were better, flat out better than Alabama. And uh, I don't know if it was a factor, but we also talked about, I mean, Texas is coming to the SEC next year. So, you know, maybe they had something to prove. And obviously, I mean, I kind of feel like they did, especially with how their kids reacted as they're running off the field, going straight up to the Alabama recruits and telling them to come to Texas. So, I mean, it was like out of all the wins that Texas has had within the last decade or so, and, you know, they would win a big game and they're like, oh, Texas is back. This this was the game. This was finally 
the game that you can at least say, like, they went into Alabama and beat Alabama pretty much fair and square and gave them, you know, way more than they wanted. And so I'm not I'm not saying Texas is going to go compete for a national championship this year, but this is that's the that's the win that the program has been waiting for for it feels like a decade for sure. Yeah, every every piece of the puzzle kind of kind of lined together. up. Yeah, it lined up for them there, and obviously they won the game thirty four to twenty four. They switched spots with or did they go to, they went to third or fourth fourth. Okay, so fourth in the AP poll, Alabama dropped out of the top ten. Um, I mean, it was it's crazy to watch Sarkeesian actually be a feasible head coach. Yeah, because, I mean, dude, he went, like, you know, he had the gig at USC and went off the rails mm-hmm. and then had to do, I think he was like a, he might have been away from the game for like a year, I think, after the UFC, if I, or USC stand, if I remember right. And then, you know, he went and was the offensive coordinator at Alabama for Saban, I think, for a year or two before, you know, coming back or going to the Texas job, but. I mean, it's just like I was saying, you know, everybody has thought at some point, you know, people higher up than us have definitely thought that this dude has the makings to be able to be a head coach at a good program, and he finally put it together this past weekend. So it's good good for old Steve Sarkeesian finally getting in there. We'll do a little bit of just a rundown for the rest of the games. Oregon on the road at Texas Tech. Late cover. Little, I think it was a pick six. Towards the end of that game. Yeah, it was pick six. Oregon covered 38 to 30. After trailing most of the game. After trailing for a lot of the game. Yeah, ton of the game. A game that we harped on at the beginning. uh, I think it was the first podcast, part 1A, that we did. Wisconsin's biggest road game was on the road at Washington State. Yep. That proved true because they lost the damn game. Straight up lost. Straight up lost. And we even talked about it last week saying, you know, that could be – it's definitely – was a definitely big trap game for mm-hmm. sure. But then we also even kind of hinted that we were like, well, Washington State's not – they're not going to be as good as they have been historically last couple of years. And uh, we looked pretty wrong there because they, they kind of just dog-walked Wisconsin, really. I mean, I'll be the first to admit I had no clue who their quarterback is. Same as Cameron Ward. That dude can play some football. Mm-hmm. He is a dual threat. I mean, he threw for 208 yards, two touchdowns, ran for another 43. Did Braylon Allen get hurt in this game? I haven't paid any attention. Haven't looked into it. He had seven rushes for 20 yards. You would have to think, right? Yeah. Uh, they rushed as a team 29 times for 91 yards against Washington State. That's impressive. Yeah. For Wazoo. Um, 3.1 yards per carry if you're doing the math. Florida State, steamrolled Southern Miss. I mean, USC playing Stanford never really was in question. Uh, Betting-wise, I finished the week. Get it pulled back up here. I finished the week three and two – or two and three, sorry. Two and three for the last – for last week. Three and three. Sorry. Are you are you a liar? Are I'm your pants stroking. on fire I'm over there? Stroking out. Stroking out. Three and three. I missed the SMU game, which was my fate of the week. 
I went one and one on fate of the week, so because I I slipped Kansas in there. It's <laughs> but I missed it by half a point. That knocked me to negative point three six units for the week. Wash, wash. For me, three and four. Uh, just to go over them, I had San Diego State for a five star plus 14 and a half at home against UCLA. UCLA dog walked them mm-hmm. 35 to 10. One of the best, uh, you know, one of my funnest bets, if that's even the correct way to say that, so far of the college football season, my first over of the year, because overs are always fun, right? 51 and a half. Maryland, Charlotte. It's a piss storm over there. We and quit looking at it. Because it was dead. It was undertaker. Okay, it was dead on arrival. They flatlined the first half of the game. It doesn't matter. Maryland puts up 38. Charlotte puts up 20. Mm-hmm. Math magicians, as you say. That's 58 points. 51 and a half cashed on the over. That was a fun one. Um, you talked about this team a little bit, and I told you last week, I don't think you're going to be talking about them as much. Because I had Boise State money line at home against UCF. They lose 16 to 18. That's a weird score. It is weird. Um, so Boise State, 0 and 2 on the year, correct? And that's no bueno. It's a tough opening. That's what I was saying. The first two weeks, it's a tough. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they had a tough, tough opening schedule, but they haven't, uh, haven't really looked particularly good at any point during that. So TBD on Boise State and the Bluegrass. Uh, University of Covers, right? UConn. Mm. Plus three on the road at Georgia State. Pretty good football program down there, I heard. They dog-walked UConn. They stomped them into the quarterback's life. Yep, UConn lost their starting quarterback for the year, I believe. Mm. DiMangio. And their backup? No bueno. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, Georgia State, 35-14, UConn plus three, never had a chance. And then we talked about it. I had Texas plus three and a half at plus 139, and then Texas money line. Both hit. Mm. Texas, hook them. Uh, the Battle of Iowa, we already talked about it. Bad, bad five-star to bet on that game, period, ever. So, I don't know. Three and four uh, went down a unit and a half on the week, but I'm still eight and nine on the year at zero units. It's a complete wash for me so far for college football. But I've been thinking about something for for a while now, probably since the start of the season two here of Epiphany Sports Show. Who is my team of destiny going to be in college football? I figured it out. I mean, I don't feel like it's going to be a shock to some people. But my team of destiny in college football is Big Red in Western Kentucky. And I'll tell you why. Because I love their quarterback. I love the way they play football. They're one of the funnest teams to watch every week just because they go out there and slang that thing. Don't care. Not only that, I like Western to win the Conference USA this year. I talked about that in Episode 1A. And I was already on their win total, over eight and a half wins on the season. I'm all in. I went ahead and placed a big five 
five unit better mm-hmm. on the big red. Both big reds, actually. So the team of destiny bet for this season for me, Western Kentucky to win their conference, Conference USA, and the Atlanta Braves. We tried, we tried, keyword tried to talk about the Braves last week to end the show. The Braves are going to at least go to the World Series. Like they're, the Dodgers are not going to be able to stop them. So I'm having Western Kentucky to win the conference and the Braves to win the National League. Two leg parlay, big boy parlay, up to plus 214 odds. So official team of destiny this, this point on. Western Kentucky. You love to see it. Big what? Red Big Red is standing on the plateau somewhere, smiling down upon us. That means all the Epiphanites on Twitter get to see glorious Big Red preview game pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the one this week for Ohio State is going to be – he might be at the top of the flagpole or something. It's untelling. He might be a Buckeye. <laughs> Big Red – Best mascot in college football has to be. When we come back, we will go over Big Red. Come mm. into their big matchup at Ohio State next week. Mm. And we will go over our bets and what is a shitey week of college football betting next week. Yeah, turd bowl. Yeah, so we will go over that when we come back. Thank you as always for tuning in. Epiphanites, is that what you said? That's the fact, baby. The Epiphanites, son. So welcome, welcome to the show, Epiphanites. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. So we touched on it. Emphasis on touched on it because we didn't go over it yet. Handsy. Mm. Week three, college football. Meh. Ass. Bad. Not good. No bueno. We don't love it. Not a lot of good games. It's like getting a salad before you have a 12-ounce ribeye placed in front of you. Like, as good as that salad can be, it's always going to be dog shit next to that steak. That's right. But, nonetheless, there are still some good games. There's some games we can talk about, at the least. I mean, we got enough on the menu. For I sure. mean, they're not all Kentucky versus Akron. We all can't. We all can't be Kentucky. <laughs> So we got we got some games that we love, some ones we don't love. And yes, that is the only time we are mentioning Kentucky this year. Yeah, I'm not going over the Akron game. I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> the big the big noon parlay. It hit and it's back, no? Oh, it's back, baby. It's back. <laughs> you know it had to be back after cashing last week. Uh I mean, it's pretty much the same format too, same same kind of same kind of brave length going on around here. Mm-hmm. Louisville, we're going back to the state of Indiana two times. Louisville, I don't know if you've seen their stuff on social media, but the uniforms they're rocking in Bloomington this weekend are iced the fuck out. They're I haven't seen them. They're nasty. It's a uniform bet. Okay. Louisville, minus 390 on the money line. Huge, huge money line favorite going at IU. We like IU just because their football program is terrible. 
but they they make it fun somehow. They're I like great quarterback. Their coach is good. Yeah. Uh, but Indiana is going to be very bad against Power Five schools this year. Uh, there's no way that they have enough offense to keep up with Louisville. And I'm not, you know, I'm not really going to jump the gun. But Louisville also made a very good head coach hire, I believe, this offseason. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, and so don't be shocked if Louisville kind of is a sneaky up and coming ACC team this year. Yep. And years moving forward, which, you know, is, is not good for the school in blue. Um, but I do like this Louisville program. Shout out Connor Codds fan, as always. But I do love Louisville against Indiana. Minus 390, big favorite for a reason. Um, I'm pretty sure Indiana is a 10-point dog at home, which is pretty nutty. Yeah. Uh, they'd be probably like a 17-and-a-half-point dog at Louisville. Yep. Second part, you know, it's a two-legger. So you got to get both legs down. Mm-hmm. Kansas State, ranked team. Mm-hmm. Obviously made a pretty good run last year. Mm-hmm. Traveling to an SEC school, like, oh, shit. And then you realize the SEC school is Missouri. Right. And you're like, wow, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Playing at Missouri, uh, Kansas State. Four-point favorite on the road. I like that number. It's big time. But I don't like that number as much as I like two and a half, which you can take it down to on DraftKings. Okay. So the second leg, Kansas State minus two and a half. It comes out to plus 104. So you're like, oh, that's plus money. There's no better way to start your day on a plus money bet at noon. You win your first bet of the day, you're always going to be having a pretty good day. So that's the way that we're going to start. And the thing about Kansas State is that they're 2-0 and against the spread this year. Missouri hasn't covered this year, and they played two cupcakes. Uh, has not looked impressive at all. And it's just like I said, Louisville is going to be iced the fuck out in Bloomington, and Bloomington does not have enough offensive firepower uh, to compete with a Power 5 school. So big noon parlay back at you. I mean – if it cashes, it might just be a it just might be a college football tradition this year. I like it. You got to, you, and there's nothing not to like about it if you think about it. And you said it whenever you were talking. You want your bets to hit early. I want all my bets to be over before Tennessee kicks off, so I can stress that and nothing else. I like the <laughs> so, I like the way you think right there. So I have all my bets at three thirty because oh, Tennessee. God. And the SEC are now at ESPN. Right. And their prime times are 7 o'clock, no longer 3.30 in the middle of the day to ruin everything. Right, because everybody hated that format. Yeah. So, I'm starting mine off with the team we just harped on. Oh, God. Alabama. Mm, Bounce back. 31.5 point favorites. Dear God. Against USF. Oh, no. Alabama and Nick Saban. Average. 42 and a half points per game after a loss against non-Power 5. After a loss to whoever. That, but they averaged 41 points a game against non-Power 5 schools so after a loss. They're just the dad with the belt walking into the bed. They come in looking to whoop some ass. Saban takes that belt off and starts spanking, son. 
and they only allow four and a half points per game. Four? Four and a half on average against non-Power 5 schools. Are we playing baseball? And obviously Nick Saban has never lost to a non-Power 5 school after losing a game before. Mm. That was implied. That's not a crazy stat. Has Nick Saban ever lost to a non-Power 5 school while coaching a Power 5 school? His first year he lost to Louisiana Monroe, I'm pretty sure. There you go. <laughs> Louisiana Lafayette, one of those. But anyways. Whatever Louisiana you are, Bass. They're playing USF. They're the throwing the Bulls. Yeah, they're 31 and a half point favorites. Their coach is Tennessee's offensive coordinator from last year, Alex Golish. They run the offense. They don't mean they can score the ball because no, they can't. Because they can't. They got throttled by Big Red week one, 41 to 24. They, they slang that thing, boy. They started slinging. And then they played FAMU and HBCU that is not very good at football. No. Uh, they beat them by 14, did not cover. USF is going to get throttled. <laughs> and if I was allowed to bet more than what I bet on this game, I would do it. I would bet my dog. <laughs> <laughs> not Julius, dog. Uh, on this. But this is my fate of the week. Two units. That's 50 bucks. At Alabama at minus 31 and a half. I'm just going to go ahead and go over my next one real quick because I don't feel as good about it. But I said this team has struggled to score the ball. Not score the ball, but their quarterback has struggled. And the other team had six possessions in their entire game last week. And they won. Minnesota. Traveling, Minnesota! Traveling to North Carolina. Over-under set at 49.5. I would run it down to 20 and feel okay about it. These two teams are going to... Battle it out. Minnesota's going to run the ball a bajillion times. Apparently, North Carolina is too. Yeah. It's going to be like watching Army and Navy. You're not even going to know it happened. Why Why is this a matchup? You're going to look up, and it's going to be the fourth quarter, and they're still talking about the opening kickoff. <laughs> the, under, the under 49.5 was minus 108. That's – I mean, that's some – that's a little love so the juice, for the under. The juice, juice is going of, to the over. To the over. It's interesting. And that's just one unit. And the other one we talked about. The Todd? The, the Todd. Oh. I'm piggybacking off you, brother. They'd have to. Western Kentucky traveling to the Ohio State University. The Ohio East. State. We would put them in the category of looking like booty cheeks early. Downers. Downers. Not looking great. Struggled against a bad... Indiana team, and struggled early against Youngstown State. I think they were down at one point, or at least tied. No, they were down. So, quarterbacks looked a little bit better, but, I mean, it's Youngstown State. I'm not so much feeling good about what Ohio State can do against Western. I'm feeling good about what Western's going to do against Ohio State. Right, right. The over-under at this game is set at – 64 and a half. The spread is now up to 30. So we may have to double down. It's going the wrong way, it's dude. Going, that's what I'm saying. We may have to double down. I'm taking Western at plus 27 and a half at minus 110. Second five-star of the day. <laughs> From the Todd, week one of being a team of destiny, 28 and a half. I'm going to give you some numbers. You talked about them. When they played Indiana week one at 
IU. 30 and a half point favorite. They win by 20. And not a good 20. No. They play Youngstown State last week. 45 and a half point favorite at home. They win by 28. Mm-hmm. Not a good 28. Uh, I hate to tell Ohio State, but Western Kentucky is better than both those teams. Probably combined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I told you, if there's ever a power or non-power five school that you want to schedule and you want to throttle them early and they have to start slinging that thing to try to catch up, it is not Western Kentucky. <laughs> I promise you that. Um, so Ohio State – I'm also on it at plus twenty eight and a half. If it goes, if it keeps getting higher, I'll just bet it again. I yeah, really will. I gonna... But I love Western Kentucky getting that many points at Ohio State. Because I'll tell you this: it's about to be keynote number three that this might not be the same Ohio State team that people think they are. Because mm-hmm. I don't care that you name McCord your starting quarterback; they've looked like ass to start the year. They've looked bad, and it's the same thing with Kentucky. Intent, you're two and zero. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. But I don't care. You're Ohio State. You are supposed to be Indiana by as many points as you want to beat Indiana. And Youngstown State. You shouldn't even have to open your eyes to beat Youngstown State. And they struggled with them for at least a quarter and a half, which is way too long to struggle with Youngstown State. So Western Kentucky, second five-star of the day, plus 28 and a half. I love the bet. Love it. I love it. I would kiss it if I could. So we talked about week three being a not that great week of college football. No top 25 matchups. Two top 25 teams playing each other. Yes. None. None. Zero. Pretty bad. So, yeah, man, that's not going up. So sometimes you got to dive deep, and you got to have an epiphany about which team you want to take how you want to take them and where you want to take them. Sometimes you just got to route home teams. This is, you're talking about the college game day game, right? No. Who is the college game day game? Colorado Colorado State. Terrible. Terrible. I did not know that, genuinely, because I thought it would be the game you're talking about. Because there's no reason it shouldn't be. Colorado Colorado State is college game day. They play at 10.30 Eastern time. What are we doing? Did not know that. Yeah, yeah. They play late as hell. The game you're talking about, sorry. Oh, Moving on. Lee Corso, got, he just flashed in my head. I had to ask where he was going to be. Lee Corso wants to be here. He wants to be at the Tennessee Florida game. He loves, he loves picking up the Smokey Dog. He loves doing that chomp. He does. <laughs> and nobody can blame him because... Florida... Florida, Tennessee historically struggles at Florida. They have five wins all time at Florida. Say the stat. About being a favorite. None of them are good. Tennessee has been favored two times ever. Ever. (laughs) At Florida. And believe it or not, they're 0-2 as a favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the one time was a pick. Consider. one time they've only been favored. And that was by one point. They got beat by 17 that year. The other time was a pick 'em. They got three. So if you're if you're a Tennessee fan, throw your history books away. Just, just burn them. Yeah, just burn, just burn 
Tell WBIR to not make a Gator Hater shirt either. Just throw it. Just every tradition you've had, burn it. I'm going Tennessee. <laughs> it was inevitable. I just don't think, it's, and I'm basing it a lot off last year's game at Tennessee when Florida was better, or at least had a better quarterback, and that's saying a lot. That game. I mean, it was low score in the first half. Tennessee, that, that was the game that got the Tennessee ball rolling. Tennessee had seven points before, quote, unquote, the drive started at the end of that first half, and they went down and scored, and they, the offense just never looked back. I don't know if the drive is going to happen again, but if Tennessee is going to have a nine or ten win season. Must win. Must win. Unquestionably. Also, on the flip side, it is a must win for old Billy Nat Billy. Billy Napier. Yeah, he's gonna have he's gonna pull a lot of stuff out of his ass. I told you he's gonna be lighting some fires under some people's asses, or he's gonna be setting his own ass on fire to get people motivated. Because yeah, he's gonna have to do literally everything he has ever done as a head coach. Make like the word is he's desperate. That's the word. Crying out. Yeah, for Billy Napier. What I think this game's going to come down to is can Florida stop the run and can Florida run the ball? That's all that's going to matter. Teams have been crowding the ball against Tennessee, still can't stop the run. They don't respect Joe. Joe is the worst Power 5 quarterback against the Blitz. Completion percentage-wise. Not great. Tennessee, obviously, like we talked about, terrible against Florida. On the road. I think it's been 15 years since we've been there. It's been a long time. The fact that you've been favorited only twice in Gainesville, Never. you've played 52 times. That That's absurd. Mm-hmm. It is absurd. It's just as bad as Kentucky and Tennessee. It's just as bad. And the game's really at Florida has really – I mean, they've been close a couple, but a lot of them have been blowouts. Last time we played at Florida, Hooker's first start at Tennessee – we got blue out. I mean, what's the last close one you can think of? Jo- the Josh Dobbs? Uh, um, I'm trying to think if the Hail Mary game was. I think it was at Florida. I'm pretty sure the, the Hail Mary Josh Dobbs was at Florida. Um, but yeah, it's as far as, you know, me not being a Tennessee fan, as long as I've lived here, which is, you know, half my life at this point, uh, Florida is just. <laughs> they just seem like they've done whatever they've wanted to with Tennessee, and uh, you know, obviously, it's a it's a new new era for volunteer football coming off last last year's season. But if you're if you're Josh Heupel, you definitely want to you know not make it a reoccurring fact here that Tennessee cannot, for whatever reason, beat beat Florida and let alone compete with Florida at Florida, especially when Florida's probably going to have a down year like this year. So here's the last games in Gainesville. 2021, Hooker's first start, 38-14. to 14. Florida was number 11. You can see obviously I'm ranked. Mm-hmm. 2019, number 19, Florida – or number 9, Florida, 34-3. to 3. 2017, mm. number 24, Florida. This was the last game, y'all. Pretty sure uh, the, the Hail Mary that I was talking about was on Felipe Frank. We ran cover two for no reason. 
That idiot, Felipe. 26 to 20. 2015, 28 to 27. Pretty close. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, there was no games in Gainesville within 10 points. One time they beat us by 39. So, um, thanks, Butch Jones. Yeah, not great. I just don't think that Florida has the players because they didn't get anybody better than last year. Merch hasn't looked bad. I'll give that to Merch. Merch has looked not that bad. But, the stat that speaks to me the most is Tennessee is number one in the nation in sacks and tackles for a loss. Florida's allowed five sacks already, and they played I mean, Utah, and they couldn't block Utah, if you remember. At all. And whoever they – McNeese State or whatever they played game two. So, I just think Tennessee controls the trenches offensively and defensively. I would not be surprised if – Sunday, whenever we look at the box score next week, whenever we talk about it, Tennessee has over 50 rushes. Total. Total. As a team, I think we might run the ball 50 times. So you think it's going to be run the damn rock, son, and not sling the rock? No, no, I don't think. We have four attempts over 20 yards this week. Overthrow, Joe? One four. One four. Well, one on one should have been the catch. Yeah. But uh, big game. Big game for him, though. Even if they do, like you say, Tennessee does decide that they're going to beat Florida by being more physical and just run it down their throat. He he still needs to run the show. Like he like I want to. If I'm Joe Milton, I wouldn't go out there feeling comfortable about me being the start of the rest of the year. The way that we've had some troubles early for no reason against the teams we played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he's motivated, right? Right, yeah. So even if, you know, Tennessee goes in there, runs the runs the ball 40, 50 times, whatever, I mean, Joe Milton better play a pretty clean game, especially if you're going to run it that much. I mean, there's no reason not to. But that's that's who I'm focusing on, I think, mostly in this game is, is Joe Milton, which, you know, a lot of pressure on him. But uh, I, t- I told you uh, this game, it does not make me feel fuzzy inside for some reason. And it's, I think it's just like we've been talking about the history kind of making you feel some sort of way. But that's it for you, right? Because you said you got to get them all out early, then Tennessee is going to take you home late night hammer. Yeah, I'll probably not even be thinking about the Bears game. That's why I bet it now. So then just forget. So I'll go ahead and get the rest of my college football slate in here. It's also a pretty small card for me, which is uh, like the second week in a row. I feel like I've said that, but even smaller than last week. So it's, I mean, it's only going downhill as far as that goes. Um, UConn, we talked about him. DiMangio, done. Playing at home. Back to the 330 slate. FIU, Florida International University, traveling to UConn. Uh, this number is seven. UConn is a seven-point favorite. And I generally have no understanding how that can be the real number, given that they're not going to have their starting quarterback and they only scored 14 points a game their first two games with their starting quarterback. We already talked about the backup they have is bad, real bad. So I'm taking FIU all the way down to plus three and a half to get it at plus 135. 
Uh, UConn lost their starting quarterback, and that's no bueno for a team who you know consistently struggles to score. FIU also got throttled by this UConn team last year at home. So this is like a home-and-home home series. Uh, UConn throttled them, almost beat them by 40. And they for this FIU team, I mean, I know even you said it, they're going to be bad, bad. They're also 2-0 and somehow. Um, the total for this game is also at 38 and a half. And it's a seven-point spread. Like, that's not a very wide margin. That's not a lot of points scored for somebody to win by seven. Uh, I'm just thinking Vegas put out a funky line and they just tried to suck people in with UConn. But I really don't think UConn's going to struggle very, very heavily to score the ball unless they can get the run game going. That's the only thing. But I like FIU to keep it within a field goal at plus money, so I think this is a must-play for me, plus three and a half. And then we already talked about Western. A team we already talked about earlier, but we're going to talk about them again because, I don't know, they just got something – they got some pool to me right now. They got me by the balls here. We're going back to Charlotte, East Coast matchup, and also another good football program that we talked about time to time. The Georgia State Panthers. Dude, last year they were a roller coaster. It was awesome. The over in this game is 53 and a half. I bet the over in Charlotte's last game against Maryland, like we said, it was dead. And then it was alive and cashed. Um, there's some history between these two teams. They've played four times. And... We'll just go based off last year. Last year's matchup, they played at Georgia State. The final to that game was 42-41, to 41, Charlotte. And I just think both of these teams, if they have a dance partner in a game that wants to put up some points, both of them will. Because here's the total points. Georgia State's first two games, they've put up 42 and 35. Pretty good. Charles or uh, Charlotte, sorry, playing South Carolina State. 24-3, low-scoring game. But then, like we said last week, 38-20 to 20 in Maryland. Put up 58 total points. I think both of these teams have pretty good offenses. They both are high-tempo, high high-scoring teams. I definitely think that this total – at 53 and a half, has a very good chance to hit the over on. But a little warning factor here, and I don't know if it's got something to do with the weather or whatever, but the the number is moving down. Uh, it is down to 52 on DraftKings now, so it's dropped the whole point and a half. So if you're going to look at this game or bet this game, definitely pay attention to the weather in Charlotte before the game kicks off or before you place your bet, either one. But I like the over 53.5 in the Georgia State-Charlotte game. Last bet, double parlay. Ooh, two parlays in the same card. Pretty bold for me. Another two-legger, though. And this one's got some pretty juicy odds on it. The first game we haven't talked about yet, and we're going back to the state of Indiana. Purdue! Home team against the Syracuse Orange. And uh, I don't know why Syracuse has played an absolute cupcake schedule so far, but they've throttled 
I mean, I absolutely have pounded the cupcakes, pounded them. And the way that Syracuse plays the football, they play grit and grind, like run, front seven, very good, run, offense. And that is uh, not usually how Purdue likes to play. Purdue is a notorious soft-bred Big Ten team uh, across the board. Syracuse, big two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I like them on the money line at minus 135. And then a big game that you just got done talking about. And I told you it doesn't make me feel all fuzzy inside for some reason. But I love the under in the Tennessee-Florida game at 58-and-a-half. Now, if you look at the box score last year, I mean, we were there in person. We saw all of it. Mm-hmm. There was points galore scored in that game. Yep. Um, a lot of those players that were scoring those points in that game are not there for either team. Uh, I definitely don't think Florida is nearly as good offensively, and I think Tennessee has shown a little bit of signs that they can they can kind of putter out uh, offensively this year too. And it's not it's not as clean as not as clean as Hendon Hooker uh, or Joe Milton. So I think it's I think it's been a little bit of a rough start for Tennessee, but I just think this rivalry, I think it's going to get real nasty, real ugly. And I think if Tennessee covers, I think they win by seven. I mean, I think it'll be that close, but I just love the the fact that it's a night game in Gainesville. I mean, it'll definitely be sold out, obviously top 10 team coming into Florida. And if it gets real ugly, if it gets grimy, I mean, I just I just don't see them putting up a lot of points. I think Tennessee would really need to score over 30 for that for that that over to have a real chance and I mean Tennessee obviously can but I would not be surprised if it's like a 24-17 kind of game something like that um so that's plus 20, 222 uh odds on that two leg parlay that is going to be known as the late night hammer and that is all the betting we have for college football correct so, when we come back, we will briefly talk about the Thursday night football game that just got done. Eagles gets it done against the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll look at the rest of the NFL slate for this upcoming week. If you got any more questions about college football, the rest is on your own. Week one of the NFL. The king. The king, as Logan calls it, has came and went. We had a fun week one. Not betting. I mean, it wasn't – it was just wishy-washy. Yeah. But watching games-wise, we had some upsets and we had some ass beatings. Ravens. We had some Achilles tears. Mm. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace, Aaron Rodgers. J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. God, rest in peace. All my teams with J.K. Dobbins on them, fantasy-wise. Ohio State gone. Ravens, speaking of J.K., Schmack. The Texans ruined C.J. Stroud's rookie debut. debut. We knew that really wasn't going to go great for that man. I mean, 28 of 44 for 242 yards. They couldn't run the damn ball. They couldn't Pierce looked good mm-hmm. running the ball. Like, I mean, he, he was running hard, but there was nowhere for him to go ever in that game against the Ravens. Ravens linebacker core, ridiculous with Roquan and Patrick. I mean, that's just absurd. 
Yeah, Texans lose three starting linemen in that game. Not great. Not good for an already bad team. For a really bad offensive line. Probably the biggest surprise of the week. And we we didn't, I mean, we thought this team would be good, but we did not think they'd do this week one. The Bengals travel to the Browns, and the Browns give them an elf-size ass-whooping. 24-3. to The Browns dominated in every single facet. On the division winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, segment of episode one B. One B. We talked about. I talked about the Brownies being a sneaky AFC North team to look out to win the division. But I said, in order for them to even have a real chance, they needed to beat the Bengals week one. While Burrow at the time, while Burrow was not one hundred percent. Yeah. Burrow played. Did but not you, uh, you wouldn't have thought he played. Yeah. Uh, the way his stats and. Uh, numbers came out for this week, but the Browns look good. Deshaun Watson. I mean, we talked about it. He, it, it's not like he got hurt. Yep. He was just out of the league, right? Yeah. Just out of the game. And <laughs> uh, he just, he didn't look. You know, he didn't look like the world beater necessarily that he was in Houston. But uh, he had a lot more life in him in, in this game than he has in any other game that he's played for the Browns so far. Twenty-four to three, the total. Uh, the Bengals. Bengals waved the white flag at the end of the third quarter. They just mm-hmm. pulled their starters. I mean, it was that it was that ugly. And it was a monsoon. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it wasn't really the best football conditions to play in, especially if you're trying to throw the football like the Bengals love to. But, I mean, to, to have to take your starters out week one against a divisional team who for some reason has your number, that's not the best start for old Cincinnati and Mr. Moneybags Burrow. And just to touch on it, you mentioned Joe Burrow not being great stat-wise. Joe Burrow's 82 yards on 31 attempts is the third least ever, ever on 30 or more attempts. NFL been around for a while. Yeah, for those that did not know. Joe Burrow just got paid a lot of money, probably more than those other two dudes that threw 30-plus times for less than him combined, I would assume. Some would say he might be the highest player ever. Ever. So. Another upset. Buccaneers at the Vikings, 20-17. to 17. You better get your weight up if you're going to be playing against Baker Mayfield and trying to tackle that man. Does not care. Does not care. Buccaneers take the win, 20-17. to 17. Titans kick 20,000 field goals and lose at the Saints. Not just the Titans. The, the Saints kicked everybody. It was yeah. just field goals galore. Yep. Uh, Panthers struggled. No, no playmakers. Falcons, also bad. But Bijan. But Bijan. And I said their secondary would be bad. Jesse Bates might be that dude that saves them. That's the only Two thing picks. saving them. Two picks last week. To Infinity and Bijan. Your team, the Colts, lose by 10 at the Jaguar or at home against the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They look good, though. Very, very promising start. It's hard to say that your defense looked really good and then you look at it and they still gave up 30 – they're still 31 points on the board. Um, but they looked good. Yeah. I mean, they looked motivated. They looked really well coached. And then obviously the big – the big the whole thing with the coach bang for years, obviously, the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, everybody knew Anthony Richardson was going to be an absolute physical specimen at quarterback. But I don't think anybody was ready for how well he threw the football in that game throughout most of the game. 
Uh, he definitely had his moments. He definitely showed, uh, I think, everybody that you know pays attention to that Colts franchise that he can be the guy moving forward as long as he's healthy. And obviously, I just just talked about it, but at the end of the game, he tries to truck four dudes to get in the in the end zone in a game that's pretty much called like you got to be a little smarter than that if you're a franchise quarterback. That definitely uh, probably gave me at least three or four gray hairs somewhere in my head watching him lay on the field for a minute. But other than that, super impressive. I was super impressed with his debut. Definitely think he had the best uh, rookie quarterback debut by a pretty wide margin. Yep. Uh, the only thing I have to say about that game is JT is smiling somewhere because Deion Jackson, his backup, 13 carries for 14 yards, two fumbles. Terrible. Evan Hall, the uh, rookie. rookie, one carry for one yard. Hurt. Injured. Yep. So – not great. Michael Pittman Jr. looked good. Uh, probably should have had two touchdowns. So, I mean, a lot to build on. The Colts, uh, if they're going to probably talk to Anthony Richardson every day, telling him to start to slide. Yeah. So. Which he will. Yeah. Uh, the next game. Comes as a surprise to most people, but not a surprise to me. I mean, I didn't expect it to be this big of a blowout, but I said that the Steelers were not going to be that good. I didn't think that uh, – I thought they were getting a lot of hype coming into the season. 49ers showed it. 30-7 to on the road at the Steelers. They whooped them. 199 yards to one yard at one mm. point in the game. Yep. Uh, the Steelers were getting outgained by 198 yards. It's pretty not good in professional football. Yep. And they lost two of their best players. And Deontay Johnson, he's out for a while. And Cam Hayward's out for a while, too, so. That's a big one. That's that's the, that's any, big for them. The defense is going to be able to hold them together. I mean, Deontay's been kind of banged up most of his career anyways, but uh, Cam, losing Hayward's is not, not, the good, not the good way to start. The game nobody talked about, nobody cared about. Cardinals traveling to the Commanders. They battled. Josh Dobbs fumbled 45,000 times, and they lost by four. Their defense almost won them that game, yeah. and yeah. that's uh, that's awesome for Arizona. I mean, you feel good about that, but if you're Washington, you don't feel good. I mean, you had to – this was supposed to be your easiest game of the year by far, mm-hmm. uh, and you struggled until the bitter end, almost lost on two defensive touchdowns pretty much. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it was bad overall for Washington, but they get the win. That's the only thing that matters, but – uh, Kyler Murray, you better be coming back faster than you than you think, brother. Because Josh da- Josh Dobbs, uh, not ready to be the starter. Obviously, are chain, you? Did you hurt yourself over there? My you, chain got stuck in my chin hair. Good that. God! <laughs> you just ripped your face off. Moving on to a man that got his face ripped off at the first drive of this game. Jimmy G and the Raiders traveling to the Broncos. Murdered. That team, the Raiders team, is going to compete every single game as long as Jimmy G is their quarterback. No reason not to. They have enough pieces, good pieces, to where they're going to be able to compete against anybody at any point. And Josh Jacobs did not look good. No. So, once he gets rolling, hopefully he does soon. I like the Raiders. I mean, I I put a bet on them to go over six and a half wins this season. You gave a little spew about Western Kentucky. I'm giving my spew about the Raiders being my team of destiny. 
In the NFL? Yeah, after one game. Big Todd. I believe in him. Yeah. I mean, Al Davis, if he was still alive, would love Jimmy G. Because I don't know what it is, but that MFR just wins, baby. He I told just you. wins. I told I, you. If he plays 10 games, they will win seven of them. He just wins. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. He's the most mediocre-looking quarterback on the field, but he just makes when mm-hmm. he plays. Makes yep. no sense. Locker room guy. Probably the – not probably. The best game of the week. Dolphins, Chargers. Tua threw for 5,794 yards, 1,943 touchdowns. And all caught by Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is still running somewhere in the city of Los Angeles with the football in his hand. But, I mean, you talked about it. This was the battle of the draft picks. Right. So, uh, Tua won the battle, obviously. 28 to 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Herbert, I mean, man, he didn't really get the chance to throw the ball all that much because they ran it down the, down the Dolphins' throats. Eckler had a huge game. They both did. They both ran for 100, over 100 yards, him and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Herbert, 23 of 33, 229 and a tutty. But like we said, Tyreek Hill was too much for the Chargers to handle, scored the go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game. 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill is the week one god. Return specialist, right? Return specialist. Jalen, Jalen Ramsey had to eat his words. He just take he just catches passes like they're punts and takes them sixty yards to the crib, son. Eagles sleptwalk through the Patriots twenty five to twenty. That game was unwatchable, brutal. unwatchable brutal to watch. Uh, probably the most impressive team of the week, based off expectations, was the Packers. Thirty eight points. Jordan Love. I mean, phenomenal debut as the – I mean, he's played games, obviously, started games. But as the dude in Green Bay, 15 of 27, 245 yards, seven – or seven touchdowns, three touchdowns, that was without their number one receiver. Christian Watson. And Aaron Jones is reminding everybody who Aaron Jones is. I mean, he played phenomenal. Yep. Uh, Justin Fields, I've been out on this dude for a long time. Still don't believe in him. They've got him pieces. I know they can't block anybody, but I, st- I still don't believe in him. They lose 38-20. to 20. I nailed that game. I told you. We've not seen a quarterback transition in Green Bay that has failed in our lifetime. And have, we, we should never doubt it until – Have not seen it, and it looks too good to be true right now, but it's looking that way. And another thing is I told you there's a chance – when I bet the Packers that they, for some reason, just dom the Chicago Bears. Dom them. And I told you there's a chance, for some reason, that they might this game might get so ugly, they turn it off the broadcast. And they turned it off the broadcast. The Packers ran the Bears out of the stadium. Uh, very impressive for the Pack, week one. Super impressive. What you mean... This is the first year in forever where you feel like you probably really haven't had high expectations for them as a as a franchise. So yeah, maybe getting a little slept on early for sure. Team that was slept on, and another team that I bet on their over over win total, the Rams. Problem, I mean, right behind the Packers is expectations to how they played. In reality, they dog walked the Seahawks. 30 to 13. Uh, 
Pakua, whatever his name is, Nakua, dominated the game. Tutu Atwell. From nowhere. From Louisville. Dominated the game. Kyron Williams, the Notre Dame man. Yeah. Two touchdowns. Two tutties. Cam Akers, the run god, 22 carries for 29 yards. Hey, his average is pretty all right. Yeah. So, I don't even know. I don't, the Seahawks just couldn't do anything. Geno started off the game hot. I think he had 80 passing yards in the first three drives. He finished 16 to 26 for 112 yards. That's a 4.3 average. That's a good running average, if you're wondering. Not a good throwing one. One touchdown, no sacks, or no interceptions. Sacked twice, but Aaron Donald was sacking him in his mind. There's a video of him coming off a stunt on fourth and four. I mean, he, Aaron Donald's really not in all that close to him. I don't think he hits him on the play. No. You know, he just throws him in the ground and says, oh, my God. Yeah, he, he about shit his pants full seeing Aaron Donald unblock, running straight for him. And I'll say this about the Seahawks. It's week one. I'm... I'm done. I'm done with Seahawks. I don't I don't want to bet them. I don't want to bet a game that they're in. I don't want to really talk about them. I'm sick of Pete Carroll. Geno Smith had his time in the sun last year, you know, being able to put it all together and finally be a starter uh, in the NFL. But I, I'm already done with the Seahawks. That performance was beyond lackluster for sure. Uh, the final game, the Sunday night football game, if you had your TV on, I'd like to apologize, unless you're a Cowboys fan, which I don't know one. The score was 40-0. to zero. Another team I'm out on already week one, the Giants. Yeah. Because uh, they can't block anybody. It don't matter who they got. Can't block anybody. Can't get open. Daniel Jones. He He's such a roller coaster, man. Like, I feel for Giants fans because you just – he just has his moments and you're like, my God – that dude can really put it all together. And then he has times this game. I mean, obviously, it's not all his fault. But Daniel Jones, I mean, you can't go out there and get skunked against a divisional game on primetime, brother. You mm. can't. Especially when they just paid the bag and they, you're coming off a pretty good season. And Brian, another thing I don't think people are talking about, Brian Dayball, are you alive? Like, <laughs> did you die this offseason? Like, I don't know what happened to the Giants before this game. But they didn't show up, and yeah. the Cowboys absolutely ran them out of MetLife, forty to zero. It's just crazy. But yeah, I'm I'm asking Brian Dayball if he's alive because that that was piss poor performance from a coaching perspective. Another piss poor performance, and a dude that I am very hard on. Josh Allen loses to the Aaron Rodgersless Jets, and it wasn't like the Jets were prepared to not have Aaron Rodgers. The man blew his Achilles out on the third play of the game. Out for the year. Yeah. Imagine, I mean... This man lasted shorter than me in bed in this game. Living in New York has to be hell on earth. I mean, just living there, period. But trying to be a sports fan of any other team has to be hell. It has to be purgatory, dude. It's just... You finally get the franchise QB, even though he's definitely out of his prime and older. Obviously. Three plays, and he's out for the year, and you're back with the Cougar hunter, Zach Wilson, at the helm. You're just endless, endless roller coaster of emotions. But, you know, you're, we're sitting here acting like they just their season's done. They fucking won! The Bills lost! How? Josh Allen? 
Oh, because you want to turn the ball over four times, dude, on prime time. And obviously, it's just, I mean, the NFL script writers, dude, they did, they did their boys, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, dirty. Because mm-hmm. that's just two embarrassing losses to start the year for both of them. But, yeah, the, the fact that the Jets lose, you know, you're the hard knocks team. Everybody's been paying attention to you all offseason. And obviously Aaron Rodgers, like they've been making T-shirts for Aaron Rodgers, making fun of the Packers, all sorts of just crazy stuff. And he goes out, first drive, done. And you know he's done. Yep. And they still just rally and come back and win a defensive battle against the Bills. Uh, McDermott, are you awake, brother? Like, I mean, because, dear God, these these teams in the NFL, they they never fail to surprise you because, I mean, you – it's like the bar story. I mean, the bar story in Wisconsin saying they'll pay for everybody's beer if the Jets lose week one. And everybody's cheering, dropping dimes on their tabs because, you know, Aaron Rodgers goes out and they're like, oh, my God, the Bills going to – they lose and you got to pay. I mean, you just – you can't even make that stuff up. It's just – that was the craziest game ever for us to sit there at work and watch that. And they still lose. It's, I don't know. I still can't get over it. He's the Dan Marino. I'm telling you, dude, he's just... He's just going to put up Hall of Fame stats, and he's never going to win anything. He's just not a winner. He's just not a winner. Can't... I don't know. I mean, I'd love to eat my words about him, but I just don't think I'm going to. I'm out on Josh Allen. Can't do it. But... Gunslinger. Yeah. Moving on to week two. Um, we talked about it about week three of college football. Ass. Shite. Bad. No bueno. No good. Not fun to bet. Not fun to watch. Dude, speaking of betting, I did go positive in the NFL last week. I did go four and three, up almost two units. It was plus 1.9 units. So Ooh. we'll say two two units up on the first NFL slate. Pretty crazy because uh, I told you I, 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 was, I was down in a deep hole start the day. And I said, I really just need the 430 slate, the show picks, to come back and carry me. And I about perfect them. So I definitely had a little bit of a bounce back Sunday, but the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown from last Thursday night football's game is what carried the day. But positive bet, you know, betting that week for uh NFL start way better than last week. Or last year, I should say, because good God, the NFL we got whooped. Bent us over the first week. It was so bad, so bad. But yeah, pretty cool to start positive in the NFL. I did not go positive, but I went even. Take that. Two of two. Chicago obviously lost. Raiders covered. Team of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, booty. Minus five and a half. They lost straight up. And then San Fran, obviously, I was on the right side of the fence for that game. I finished two and two. Right. So, I mean, not a bad way to start off. But, like we said, week three, not great. Or week two, sorry. Week two. NFL. Yeah, not great. Week three, college football, not great. But betting-wise, week two of the NFL, not great. Super short card. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and start off with mine. I said I had a a team of destiny. And they're going to be my fate of the week. Oh, the big big bet. Vegas, on the road at Buffalo, with a team I do not trust, I do not like. They cannot win. Vegas is a plus nine and a half. Jimmy G don't lose by 10 points to nobody. That's a lot of points. Nobody. That is too many points. 
Team of Destiny, Fate of the Week, whatever you want to say. The Raiders. The Raiders. Just win, baby. Just cover. I don't even need you to win. Just, Just win. cover. Plus, or two units at minus 110. I like it. A lot of points. Yeah. Moving on, I'll just go ahead and go over my whole court since I only have three bets total. Light load. Light load. You told me you hated this. That's why I bet it. I did? Kansas City at Jacksonville. Blah. Kansas City's a three-and-a-half point favorite. Oh. Trying to avoid starting 0-2 for probably the first time under Pat Mahomes. I ain't looked at it. I don't know. Yeah, there ain't no way. Ain't no way he went 0 Jacksonville Jaggers. Jaguar. Devon. Trying to prove that they're just not the best team in a bad division. They're a good football team. That's just what they're trying to prove. That is what they're trying to prove. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey allegedly healthy. According to him on the podcast, on his own podcast, says he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He'll probably play. Yeah. I think Kansas City wins this game. But I ain't betting them to win. Jacksonville covers at home as a dog. Plus three and a half. Y'all think you're chopping? That might be what you're doing. Doing the Harrison Bucker <laughs> lineup as he hits the field goal. To win by six. To win by three, baby. That's what I'm saying. That's how it's, I can just see it now. Harrison Bucker always does this thing with his arm, and then he just takes the biggest soccer steps ever to crush that ball. And Chiefs then, kickers, who I'm talking about. I got you. Finally, I got a little parlay. Oh, a little two piece, a little two piece, dude. The two chicken piece, and thigh. The two piece combos for the Epiphany Boys are on the menu for sure. Um, this team, I mean, they could be my other team of destiny, but I mean, it's just because they're so damn good. And I apologize to them for betting they're under preseason win total. San Fran at LA. LA looked good last week. They're about to come down to earth, as Ron Moore would say. Only two things certain on this God given earth: death, death, and birth. birth, son. They're about to be. They're about to meet the death that is San Fran and Brock Purdy. Minus two ninety five favorites, pretty big favorite on the road. And then this team, you know a little something Sneak, about them. sneaking them in here, huh? They were they started off as a one point favorite, now they're one and a half point dog now. It keeps teetering. The back Indianapolis Colts, the traveling to Houston. This ain't as much about what Houston can't do; it's about what Indianapolis Colts can do. And I'm talking about the defense. Yep. They're going to eat Stroud alive. They may sack him 50 times on 13 drawbacks. It's not going to go good for Stroud. They're not going to be able to run the ball. They don't have a playmaker at receiver. I could just go on and on and on and on and on. You said it. DeForest Buckner is one of the most athletic freaks that I have ever seen in my life. To be 300 pounds. To be that big. And run like that and fall like that into the end zone. I'm taking the Colts' money line. Minus 102. I put those into a little parlay. Plus 165. Well, a little slight slight odds. With two units. Oh, another slammer dammer. So I'm going plus odds on another two-unit parlay to end my week on a super bad week for bet. Yeah, I agree. The NFL slate, it will probably be a pretty good red zone uh, Sunday. I don't know why that is, but I just feel that, like, sitting there watching red zone all day, and you're like, damn, this NFL slate was actually pretty good. 
then you just sit there and look back and you're like, those games were terrible. Yeah. But they're just scoring. It don't matter. I only got four uh, bets on the card this week for NFL. Uh, starting with the 1 p.m. slate. Talked about being out on Justin Fields. I'm out on the Bears total. I think they're ass. I think Matt Eberflus, that's how you say his name, Matt Eberflus, mm-hmm. uh, might already be feeling some some heat on the burners because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they're talking about deactivating Chase Claypool, who they traded for a second-round pick. Like, I don't know what the Bears are doing at this point, but it doesn't really seem like this is the team that some people were thinking were going to be an upper-and-comer. You're not, you don't think they were the best three-win team ever? Dude, all I'm going to tell the Bears is they better get their fucking weight up, son, because they're going to Tampa Bay to play the Baconeers. And Baker going to ball. I love Baker. I, I love him. Going to ball on that him. Chicago defense. Uh, the Chicago defense looked bad. Offensive line, you talked about, can't they couldn't, they couldn't block me and you on the edge, I don't think. I love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at minus two and a half. I think they easily win by more than the field goal here at home. I don't think Chicago is good enough offensively uh, to really beat anybody as of right now from what I've seen just from the first week. And Tampa Bay, obviously they're not the Super Bowl contenders they were just a few short years ago. But their front seven is still going to be nasty. I mean, it's still going to be very good. And obviously, that's how the Bears are going to try to win is run the football. I mean, that's the only way they can win because that's the only thing they can do with a running back at quarterback. Come on. Mm-hmm. So, I love the Tampa Bay Baconeers <laughs> minus two and a half against the Bears. Then you already talked about the home team for the boy, the Indianapolis Colts, taking on the Texans. I'm taking it, but I'm taking it at a weird, weird little bet here. On FanDuel, you can do a win margin bet. You got four options, each team to win by 1 to 13 or 14 plus. So you're really pretty much picking a score range. I'm on the Colts by 1 to 13 at plus 155. I think the Colts win this game, but I don't think... The Colts offensively just yet, especially without Jonathan Taylor, I don't think they have enough gears to just blow somebody out of the water. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts win by a touchdown or 10, but I like them to win by 1-13 to over the Texans this weekend. And that's that's my only five-star bet in the NFL. So I feel pretty confident about AR5 and the boys going to Houston. And then this might be my Todd. I'm not ready to name him yet, but they're on the watch list going into week two. Because I'm sick and tired already of the fucking Atlanta Falcons. I just don't <laughs> hate them. I don't know why I hate them. But I love the Green Bay Packers right now for some reason. I don't know what's going on with me. I got some weird feelings going on. But Green Bay, only a slight favorite against Atlanta. Once again, I'm going to take the better quarterback and Jordan Love over Desmond Ritter. And the Packers' run run game is going to be better than Arthur Smith's run game with Bijan this Mm. week. Mm. It's going to be a battle of the RBs, I believe. And I believe, oh, like you were talking about, Aaron Jones reminding people he's that guy. Then you got Quadzilla. 
put some pounding on some people with A.J. Dillon. I love the Packers' money line, minus 115, on the road at the Falcons. And then my last bet, this is the 430. And we just talked about him. You go down, it's a whirlwind for the New York Jets. But they're getting nine and a half on the road to Dallas, who just, I don't know if this is going to be true or not, but this is how I'm feeling about it. I think Dallas just blew their whole load week one <laughs> against the Giants. I mean, you just had to demolish your divisional rival on primetime TV. They disrespected them. They disrespected them. And I think this could be a little comeback down to earth spot for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. This is really just the bets on the on the Jets' defense to be as good as they looked against the Bills, and uh, that was pretty damn good enough to win them the game. So yeah, yeah. I love the Jets getting nine and a half on the road. Another crazy stat: Zach Wilson has been this. Obviously, I got it nine and a half, so it's a little different, but. Zach Wilson's been a double-digit underdog twice in his career as a starter. He's 2-0 against the spread, and he's 2-0 straight up. Yeah. So, give me the MILF, Hunter, Zach Wilson, and the Flying Jets of New York to cover the 9.5 in Dallas. And then I haven't put it together yet because I got some more epiphany thinking to do, but I'm thinking before Sunday on our Twitter page at Epiphany Sport. I'm going to give out a little anytime touchdown score. But I got I to gotta do some soul searching for that one. I can go ahead and give you a free one right now. A free We talked about it on oh. the way home mm. from work. Mm-hmm. He loves to score touchdowns. He loves to score tutties. And he did not get the ball but 15 times last week. He may touch it 40 times this week. Derrick Henry is going to score a touchdown against the Chargers. You'll definitely have to lay some juice on that because I'm sure it's he'll probably going to be minus one ten. He'll least. be he'll be close to you know minus odds on that, but I love that because I told you the stat that he's played the Chargers three times in his career and he's got three touchdowns. Yeah, uh, he scored a touchdown every game against Los Angeles. So I, I mean, for a freebie for someone you're just giving up for free out here, I love that. Oh, you're going to have to give it some juice because it's minus 175. Yeah, his number last week was minus 180. Yeah, so, I mean, you're going to have to... A parlay piece, yeah, yeah. for sure. You throw that in the parlay. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, showing out, showing up. We couldn't be here without you guys. So, as Logan always says, and I always mess it up, so he'll probably cuss me out for this whenever he hears this. Thank you. I love you. Get money. You know the rest.